Because you're, you're going to make, make it. What are you going to do? I can't be counterfeiting driver's license. It's not a real driver's license. We'll put up, we're will put we going to put on there on the back of it, like, not a real driver's license. This is an NFT. I feel very apprehensive about this entire. We'll, we'll get uh, your Pete probation officer to sign off on it for you. Just say, hey, it's an NFT. Okay, we're making money here. Austin, how do you feel about that? Yeah, Austin, I can see Austin smiling. Be like, just tell her Gary V told us to do like this. I feel like that's a charge. I feel like I'm going to no, end up. No, Gary V does it. We can do it. All right, we're on your podcast. Okay, so is this one on? Yeah. All right, so I'll just do the, um, hey, this is Matt Cox, and I'm here with Danny, and we're about to do, we're going to do an interview with Danny, and, uh, Talk about his life and his childhood and just what an interesting guy. And from childhood all the way through to current events. So check this out. It's not very, that wasn't very energetic, but that's fine. That's all they're getting. Thanks for having me on your show, Matt. Sure, no problem. <clears throat> How you been? I've been great. Good. How are you? Good. Thank, uh, thanks for uh, letting me be here. <laughs> We're at your place. <laughs> all right. So, um, yeah. So where were we born? Where was I born? Seriously? Yeah. That's how you're going to start this uh, thing off? Of course. Were was, you born in Florida? I was born in Clearwater, Florida. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Born and raised here. Never left. Well, I mean, you, so you left a little bit. You've never lived anywhere else? Never lived anywhere else, no. Okay. Where'd you go to school? Uh, I went to Seminole High School, which is a little school about 10 minutes away from here. And Are we in Clearwater? We're in St. Pete. No, yeah, we're we're in uh, we're actually in Seminole right now. Okay, so it's the same same town right. that I went to high school in. All right, um, and uh, I went to a community college for a year and a half, or yeah, about a year and a half, and I dropped out uh, about a year and a half in because drugs and alcohol and girls and stuff. I was more interested in that than learning. Right. <coughs> when did and. So what were you going to school for anyway? I wanted to go to school for film for uh to for filmmaking. I wanted to go to uh I originally wanted to go to UCF. I applied to a bunch of different film schools and um I actually knew a guy who went to UCF. He made the Blair Witch Project and he wrote me a letter of recommendation. He was like one of the most like one of the top guys that came out of UCF and like became successful. He made the Blair Witch Project which cost him like 30 or 40,000 dollars to make and they they made over oh, 100 yeah, million dollars. Yeah. That was a great film. Yeah. And um, I wonder if anybody even knows who, what, you know, like the, the the whole, the advertising for that and the whole thing was like genius at the time. Yeah. Like yeah, it was yeah. something never been done. Like, they were I the mean, first ones to do that. It was, it was amazing. <clears throat> like people really thought they were going in. They were seeing like some kind of a. a right. Found footage. Right. And then that, that kind of like spun off into that, the whole paranormal activities, uh, the paranormal activity movies. You know, there's like, there's probably like six or seven of those that they did, ended up doing. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. But so he gave you a recommendation. Yeah, yeah he wrote what? he wrote me a recommendation and everything. But my grades in high school weren't good enough. Okay. That's why I started going to uh, I started going to community college just sort of like get better grades and like get like the basics down. I had to go there for two years, um, and I actually did a little film class in community college, and I hated. I did not get along with the teacher at all. Um, it was just like trying to follow their rules and stay inside their boxes just wasn't for me. My mom really wanted me to go to college my whole life she really pushed it she was a college teacher she got her master's degree in fine art nice 
And uh, so she was always pushing me to go to college, which I think that was kind of the, one of the reasons I didn't want it. I ended up not want, I never really wanted to go to college because I was pushed so hard to go to college. Okay. Um, uh, so, so you dropped out. What did you start doing at that point? Like, why did you drop? I understand you saying you dropped out just, you know, whatever, you were partying or whatever. But I mean, what was your plan? Like, you dropped out. Did you think, hey, I'm going to go work at FedEx? I didn't have a, I really didn't have a plan. I worked construction for a while. I had a couple, I had a, like a lot of friends around here who, um, had successful businesses. I knew a guy who had a really, still has a very successful painting company. And I started, working painting i was like painting condo condominiums like new construction me and a bunch of my friends were just doing that every day um you know working on a fucking job site on a construction site every day for right. a while this was probably when i was like i want to say like 17 18 years old something like that and um eventually i started doing that i worked at a pizza place for a while and then eventually i got offered to um, well, I'm missing a big chunk of the story. I st I was like, throughout that time, I was like always making little videos with my friends. Like we were always like making little sketch videos or like funny little commercials that we thought were funny or like skate videos and surf videos. Um, I had a couple of friends who were professional surfers, so I would always like travel around with them and, and film where we would go and like make little, um, surf videos for companies like O'Neill. Um, and they were, I mean, these were, they were actually um, commissioning you to, to like you were hiring you to do it or you yeah. just did it because well, you thought I, Well, I started fun. doing it just because it was fun because I knew these right. guys. And, uh, you know, at that point in my life, surf videos were huge. I would spend all my downtime watching surf videos or skate videos. So I started to try to make surf videos and skate videos with my friends. Um, and then eventually I got one of my friends parent like dads hit me up and he was fishing in an ESPN bill fishing tournament like a big marlin fishing tournament for ESPN down in Puerto Rico and they called me like hey do you want to go film uh, on our boat for ESPN they're doing a show I'm like sure yeah I have a water housing and everything and I ended up hopping on my buddy's parent my my buddy's dad's plane going to Puerto Rico and um going on his boat for this bill fishing tournament. And he was like, they were catching blue Marlin off the back of their boat. And then I would jump in the water and film while they'd pull the blue Marlin up into the boat. And sometimes like sharks would come up and bite the fucking Marlin in half. It was fucking crazy. Um, and you were in the, in the water. Yeah. And I was in the water, like filming this while these fucking Marlins were getting mauled by sharks and getting pulled up into the boats. And, and that was like my first professional job with a video camera, like filmmaking. And that was before you went to college. That, still a teenager. That was before I went to community college, yeah. That was like like late high school days, I think. Late high school, maybe like right after high school. Okay. Yeah. So then you so then you you went to uh went to community college, didn't work out, got out, you started um, you know, started doing construction and then what? Yeah, what? I was doing construction, then I started getting more and more jobs. Like I started getting commissioned by like uh MTV and various um various like TV TV networks that were doing reality shows like during the whole reality show boom like when reality shows first started taking off and there was like the competition shows yeah, but they're not they're not they're not contacting a kid yeah working. they were contacting me they're emailing me directly 
I had a website back then. Like this oh, okay. was just like I had like a little website. So where you're still out there. You were still trying to get gigs. I was still, still hustling. Construction. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I was. I, I was still working construction. I was still. I was still like going off and doing these projects. You know, like going and filming for ESPN, and I was doing my own stuff, posting my surf videos on the internet. Um, this was like the very beginning of YouTube, maybe, maybe even before YouTube. And I was posting my videos online on my website and promoting myself as like a like an independent filmmaker, and like uh, a commercial filmmaker or whatever. And uh, I started getting emailed by companies like MTV to help be like a camera operator for a reality show that they were shooting in town or something like that. And um, I kept doing more and more of the fishing stuff, the fishing tournaments, document stuff for ESPN. Um, and then that ultimately ended up in me working for another friend's company. He had a company, it's called DuPont Registry. It's like one of the biggest, it's like yeah, Auto Trader yeah, for course, Rich People. Yeah, of course, I know what DuPont Registry is, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's like Auto Trader for Rich People. And me and my friend Steven basically started the, that was like when companies decided they first needed to do social media. Like right. when a company would say, oh, we need a Facebook and we need a YouTube. So like me and my friend Steven created a YouTube channel for his parents' company, DuPont Registry. And we started creating all kinds of content so for the YouTube channel. This is what, in the mid, early 90s? In uh, 90s? No, this, no, 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 no. This is probably, this was like three or four years before the first Dolphin Tail movie came out. So you can find find out when the first Dolphin Tail movie came came out, and it was like Two, four, that you mean early two thousands. Four years before that, yeah, probably okay. around there. Why? Because in what, I want to say in like nineties, you were what time? What time? So probably like two thousand six, two thousand seven was when oh, I started okay. doing that. Um, and then I started. Then I got offered to work on the Dolphin Tail movie, the first Dolphin Tail movie, which was filmed in Clearwater. Um, the dolphin died recently. Didn't yeah, he just yeah winter just died. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that they actually just spread her ashes out and into the Gulf. So sad. Um, yeah, so I worked on, so I did the Dolphin Tail movie, and that was like a five, four to five month ordeal. Like that was four to five months of me just doing that every day, waking up at fucking five o'clock in the morning and going to the set and and. You know, I was a PA, camera PA, so I was set up the cameras. I was learning about like working with all these big, giant 3D red camera rigs, um, and that experience was an experience of a lifetime. Like that was such a learning experience. That was like me going to college basically for film. Right. And uh, it also taught me that I didn't want to be in the film industry. It taught me that I don't want to work in Hollywood and I don't want to work on films because those guys are basically they're paid very well, but they're they're essentially. Uh, one of the guys, Mickey, who was a, uh, he was a, uh, a camera operator on that movie. A term that he used to call him and everyone on the set was, they called themselves carnies with dental plans. Because they, they have families, they have kids and stuff, but they never see them because they're always jumping from movie to movie to movie. Um, and this, you know, he, he would jump from The Dark Knight, he filmed The Dark Knight, and he jumped right from that to Dolphin Tale, and then he, you know, then he would go to Pennsylvania to film a movie, then he'd be in New York filming a movie, and he would be home, like, two weeks out of the year. So, that experience, I mean, that experience was, like, it reminded me a lot of working construction, because it was, like, working on a construction site, and the same thing, yeah, walkie-talkies, you're talking to people, running, running this to there, and getting this done, and there's a schedule you gotta follow, and, you know, a lot of moving parts, it was a lot of, like, construction, and, uh. And what you didn't you didn't like that aspect was it, it was only you saying it was only was it only the part where you're saying because you're going from you know one set to another set around the world or is it yeah well like also you didn't like the having to be on the schedule I, I didn't what I didn't like about it was like 
Doesn't seem like it's creative. It's not creative, but there's there's so many people that, you know, it's like a colony of ants, like, working to build something. You know what I mean? And, and there's so many moving parts. There's so many different um, skills that need to be on a movie set to make something happen. Like, there's the electrical crew. There's a giant electrical truck of 20 electricians whose only job is to make sure all the lights are working. Right. You know, then there's... The higher, you know, the very top of it is, like, the producers, the guys who fund the movie. Then under them, you have, like, the director, the uh, director of photography. Those are the guys that make the most money. Those are the guys that get to be creative, really. Right. To, um, within it, to an extent. To an extent, yeah. right. And there's really no guarantee. I mean, you know, your whole career is predicated on, you know, other people liking an idea or other people, you know, thinking something is good or wanting to use you or knowing you. And there's just so, there's so many people above you making decisions that you have no control over. Right. Um, do you hear that? Austin, do you hear something? No. Or, uh, I don't have anything on. No. Are you going to edit this? What? Oh, I don't care. Oh. Oh, it's weird because in here I hear it. Listen. Oh, I hear it. it's something out mm. here. Yeah, I can hear that. I was just tuning it out. That's always in the headphones. Oh, is it? It's the it's the um, AC. But you don't hear it. I can hear it. Yeah, I just. Um, no, I'm saying when the tape comes. Oh no, the, no 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 no. Oh okay. It. Weird. It's weird. Okay, I never noticed it before. Yeah. I never paying attention before. I guess. Um. Okay. I'm so glad finally paying attention. So all right. Um. All right, so you were doing that for a while. I mean, this what, is fun. I, I never really tell all all these stories. I don't reflect on this very much. I know. I, I that's what I was saying. You know, earlier was. Uh, yeah. What made you want to do this, Matt Cox? Yeah. So, uh, you had sent me a video of a. You had shot a video. Danny had shot a video for a jewelry store. And he'd altered part of the video and shot it and, and sent it to me. And it was I just thought it was hilarious. Like, totally came out of nowhere. And we'll show the video. And it was just, it was hilarious. And then I showed, um, I showed Jess. And she was like, oh, my gosh. And I said, this is Danny. She says, that's totally his sense of humor. And, and I was like, yeah. I said, you know, he, I said, look at some of these videos. I was showing, you know, I was, no, I don't think I showed her the videos. I showed a buddy of mine, the doctor. I showed him some of the videos, I think. I sent him a couple. And he was like, man, these are hilarious. And then I sent some to another buddy of mine, and he was like, all of them are super funny. And I was like, right. there." I said, but he's got serious videos too, but a lot of them, are, he's, he's funny. And then I was talking to Jess, and she goes, you know, I think Danny is more interesting than you people realize by watching those, just the interviews. And I was like, what do you mean? She said, because all he does is sit there and go, right, right, right. Okay, so then what happened? All right, right. I said, she goes, so you don't really get a, a feel for his personality. And I was like, no, I said, you do. I said, if you watch, um, uh, if you watch uh, Life for Sale, and she goes, well, I've never seen those. Like, I, I don't know what that is. And I was like, and I was like, yeah, you know, I said, I, I and she goes, and then she said, you ought to interview him. She goes, he might, he's probably, she goes, he's probably interesting. I said, you know, he, I said, he does have some good stories. Like I've talked to him and he's, he's got a kind of an interesting life. I said, like, I assumed he went to film school. I said, turns out he only took a few classes and dropped out. I said, there was, you know, like I was going through different things and she was like, yeah, you ought to, she said, cause I don't think anybody's ever really knows much about Danny. And I was like, yeah, I said, I don't know. I said, ah, he's not going to do it. He won't do it. And she goes, well, text him. So I texted you and you came back and you said, yeah, sure. Whatever. So yeah. And we were supposed to go to my place and do mm -hmm. it, but I came here instead because you had another podcast, and yeah, and uh, so this was easier. Well, I'm flattered. Thank you, Jess. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, so 
so what happened to the point? So at what point did you get? Well, I guess at the the dolphin one, right? Where you got to the point where you didn't have to work construction anymore. Now you can just yes. Well, after the after the movie ended, um, that's when I started to like venture into um, creating content for TV myself, like pitching my own concepts to television. Um, I had a couple friends in various businesses. Um, one of them who owns a chain of pawn shops throughout the Caribbean. And this was like right when Pawn Stars blew up, the Pawn Star show. Right. And I had like I had previous experience experience working in television. Did you do a life for sale on, on that guy? Was that guy on a life for no, sale? No, no, he wasn't. No. Oh, okay. So my friend Chad, um, he owns a company called Cashwiz, and they have like dozens of pawn shops scattered throughout the Bahamas, the Caribbean, Barbados, Antigua, okay, um, Cayman Islands. And I was like, that'd be a fucking sick travel show. Like where we fly. Cause a kid, I mean, he flies at that point. He was like a kid in his late twenties. He was hopping around on these little planes from Island to Island, managing all these pawn shops, dealing with all these crazy Caribbean people, eating fucking awesome food, diving for treasure, swimming with sharks. And like, I was like, let's go do that. Let's go film it for a couple of weeks and try to like, see if we can package it into a show and try to pitch it. Right. And we did that. We put, we put together an entire crew, went down there for a couple months and filmed in various islands. We filmed on uh, in Nassau, Cayman Islands, the Grand Cayman, um, and a few other spots. And set up all these kinds of things that we shot. And we packaged it, worked on it for a while, and we pitched it out to a couple really big TV networks. And nobody wanted it. You know, it was fucking awesome. It was a sick show that I would watch on YouTube. Even if it was just on YouTube, I would watch it. Something that I thought that was great and everyone, you know, we liked it. But where essentially the, after where the like, episodes now, there there's still I like re-edited a couple clips from it and put it on YouTube. And I also tried to like repurpose it a couple of years ago. And it's it's on it's an episode. There's one video on the concrete channel right now. It's called Fast Cash. I kind of rebranded it as Fast Cash. There's an episode where we go to one of the Bahamian Islands for a day. Maybe that's what I saw. Because yeah, I, yeah. I could have swore I saw something about yeah. pawn, a pawn shop or something. I thought it was like for sale. but anyway. And that, that anyways, that that show right there consumed a few years of my life. And after pitching it and getting, let, you know, striking out, it was just like such a letdown. And then, you know, there was multiple projects like that that we pitched around to various TV networks. I mean, we were meeting with like you know, Gurney Productions, big production companies that were like, Gurney was producing Duck Dynasty at that time. Okay. Um, and then that led to the whole Ben thing, you know, how I met, I met Ben and then we started, you know. Well, how did you meet Ben? I don't remember how, how did I originally meet him? I met a, my friend, uh, a friend, a friend of mine who owns a bunch of restaurants around the area. He uh, introduced me to him. I, I met him at his birthday party, his 50th birthday party at one of his restaurants. And I was like, hey, what's up? And then uh, we exchanged numbers. And he owned, at that time, a he partnered with Hulk Hogan to build this like restaurant nightclub in Tampa. And they were trying to promote the restaurant. And they were trying to do a show about Hulk Hogan owning a restaurant in Tampa. Right. That's, how, that's how I met him. And... Uh, I went and met with him a few times and, you know, he had this big real estate business. We were, t we were like doing some preliminary interviews back and forth to see if there's anything there and, uh, met with him and Hulk and did some filming with Hulk and, um, we pitched that whole show. We had, a, they actually had a few bites on that, but 
you know, there was nothing that was like lucrative enough for Hulk to really attach onto because he just got off of, you know, he just finished doing Hogan's knows best, Hogan knows best, right? Which was a super successful reality show right. back in the day. And for his um, anticipation of what he should be receiving, exactly, was, exactly, it wasn't enough for him to be interested in it. And right. um, anyways, the the our relationship started there. I started, we started doing like some fucking am- incredible commercials that I'm still super proud of. Fun, funny commercials we did with Jimmy Hart. And whole can, can we watch them? Yeah, out? yeah, they're all can they're we, all on there. We can watch any of them. All right, can you put like and Jimmy Hart's what? He was a wrestler, right? Or he was involved in? It wasn't a wrestler. He was involved in Jimmy wrestling? Hart. Yeah, yeah. He was Hogan's manager. He started okay. he started wrestling early in his career. This is Jimmy Hart. Anybody who knows Hulk Hogan knows who Jimmy Hart is. He's mouth of the cell. He's a legend. So like we would have the the story behind like this one. This was a corny ass commercial we did, but intentionally corny because. Um, one of the lawyers that worked for Hogan's Beach, the the club and the restaurant, was like, "Okay, we have this event that we're trying to promote. Okay, and we gotta we gotta let them know that it's gonna be free drinks after this hour, dinner specials, all these things." They gave us like a laundry list of specials and like, like you know, things they wanted to bring people in for, and they right. wanted all them to be listed on the commercial. And we're like, "How the fuck do we make a commercial that's good that lists all this bullshit?" Right. So we ended up doing shit like this. Can you make go to the whole screen? Yeah. Can you hear it? So that was a fun one. That took us a couple hours to do, but uh, there's there's a dozen of them like that. You can go wait, to wait, a, can play the one. Yeah, what, what about the one? Yeah, with the uh, uh, shoot the uh, this roller was, skater. This one's oh, epic. This, one, okay. this was for a Halloween party. Can you turn this up or? Yeah, yeah. Crank the volume up way louder on the TV, Austin. Um, this was for a big Halloween party with a bunch of like EDM techno artists. And uh, the idea for this was to just make, you know, you know, the Saw movie with the little Saw character wheeling out on a tricycle and have Jimmy, you know, talk about all the specials. Oh, Jimmy Jam. I just saw him like two days ago. What about the one with the um the skateboarder? I mean I mean the the the, the chick on the uh Oh oh yeah. Keep going. This one. That one. Nice buns. Yeah. So this was one we got like free create we got like hundred percent creative freedom on this one. This was just like a, a Hogan's Beach commercial. No right. bullshit events we had to promote or anything. Nice 
Hogan's brother? Great! I got him at Hogan's Beach! The best buns in town, baby! Mm, you want a ride? <laughs> Hell yeah! Jimmy's got a beautiful derriere. Um, so... Uh, all right, so this was this was the start of that, but you've done a bunch of other videos too. Yeah, like you've done it for um, for Land Rover, mm -hmm. for um, oh shoot, well, uh, who else? Um, Land Rover. I saw the Sprite one. Land Rover was a big one. Sprite was a big one. The Sprite one never got. They fucking shut it down. We didn't. They didn't use that. Um, we did one. We did. I don't know commercial. why. <laughs> we did one for Snickers. Um, Zippo, I've done commercials for. I can't even think of them all right now. Dozens of them for Dupont Registry. Uh, we've done videos for Rolls Royce, Lamborghini. What, um, show the show the um, the um, Sprite one. <laughs> this was this, uh, is, this is Danny with total creative this was, freedom. This was very early life. This was actually for a contest. So like they, they Sprite would do this this contest where they, they'd reach out to like 20 filmmakers and they'd say everyone make it we, we're this is our new creative campaign this is our new tagline you know give us a 30 second commercial concept for that'll go viral because this was like the beginning of when they wanted everything to go viral you know what i mean right. this was before algorithms this is me and my brother and my and my friend my friend nick <laughs> Jacking off to himself in the mirror. I don't know why they felt that was inappropriate. I no, me I neither. It seemed like I mean, that would have done really well. They wanted brutal honesty. I gave it to them. Right. So, what about? So, tell tell me the story about um about the uh, the jewelry store. The jewelry store. The jewelry store is one of my. This is this is fast forwarding way later. Uh, I have a client. I had a client that was a a jewelry store, a big, a pretty big jewelry store in the Tampa St. Pete area, and uh, every year they would commission me to create a heartfelt commercial, branded commercial about their about their jewelry business, and it was always about a love story. You know what I mean? Um, and so I would spend. A month about a month you know writing and producing a commercial f to air on television and the internet and um in this particular case i was sitting at the, at a, a restaurant with one of my friends another one of my another one of my friends and client of mine and i was this is when i was like still trying to come up with the creative for this commercial that i was working on and you know he's like He's like, tell me what it's about. So I, I told him the concept of it. And uh, he was like, oh, my God. He's like, this would be so fucking funny if you did this. So right. he's like, change the ending and do this, this, and this. Yeah. And I'm like, that is fucking hilarious. But, like, that's going to take so much time and money. He's like, I'll pay for it. So he literally paid for us to get a permit to go to the airport and pay all these extra actors and do all this extra shit. And uh, this version of the commercial ended up being 10 times better than the original one. And this is the version of the commercial that 
that your client didn't know was coming. They had no clue this was coming. And so you what? You went into a meeting with a few people? So, or? so yeah, after two months of going back and forth and, and creating the commercial, them approving the creative, um, me producing it, I, 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 so we have a screening in front of all of the employees and all the owners of the jewelry store. Right. And they think and, they uh, know what's coming. This is like they've the, been, they've this been is approving like, it. Right. They've been approving it all along the way. So this is like... This is like the first premiere, the screening of it in front of, you know, there's probably 15 people there and uh, they're all excited. It's probably like nine o'clock in the morning and we're in the lobby of the, or in the showroom of their jewelry store. And I have this on a big computer screen and I'm playing it for them. All right. You got to play this. And I, I played the, uh, you, the X-rated yeah, version you played, first. played this version. <clears throat> That one, that's mm -hmm. it. You're gonna have to blur the name of their company out. Don't show that. Don't show that. Oh, yeah. I didn't even see the name of the company. It was on the screen. Oh. How far in are we? About 30 minutes in. Make a note. All right. Tell Colby. <laughs> So she's getting called off to like deploy somewhere right. in the in the military. Loves her dog. Loves her golden retriever. She's leaving Tampa Airport. And now the husband and the dog are home alone. Holidays. I'm trying to narrate this for people only listening. I don't know if you have it on audio. Now he's picking her up from the airport. Uh oh. King Kong bringing her home. Oh, <laughs> shoots the dog. <laughs> shoots himself. Uh, Wheels turn. You're gonna have to block out their logo. Yeah, I, the, I just the, sent. I'm gonna. Col yeah. I just sent Colby a, a a thing saying 30 minutes in blend or blur. I put 30 minutes in. Just block please, it out. Please yeah. blur the name of the jewelry company. Yeah. On the title and on the end screen logo. <laughs> so what did they do? So they see this. Yeah, they see it. and It was just total silence. No one said a word. <laughs> I was like looking at them like, hey, what do you think? Like, good, right? <laughs> no one laughed. No one thought it was funny. And they're was like, the last they're like, they're like that's and I was just like, okay, no, no one was interested in, in even comment. They're like, what the fuck was that? Like. And then once I showed them the the real version of it, they kind of lightened up a little bit. Like, haha, that was crazy. How did you do that? And I told them the whole what Jeez. I just told you. Way too conservative for them. Right? Yeah, way, oh, I mean, they're yeah. Way, they were way too. I'm sorry, they were way too conservative. Totally to find it comical. At yeah, all. totally. Yeah, but I it was ten times more fun to make that. Oh, I'm you sure. Know what I mean, it was so much more fun. I'm we sure. we shot it at Tampa Airport. We had a fake gun. We, yeah. we were filming it in uh, in the parking garage of the airport right above, like, one of the main terminals. And we were just sitting there. And and we had, like, these big packets of blood. We had the fake gun. We had my brother with the blood splattered all over his shirt. And a cop rolls up on a bicycle. Who's your – is your brother the guy with the gun? He's the guy who shoots, shoots himself, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And um, the, a cop rolls up on a bike, and he's like, what are you guys doing? I'm like, oh, we're just filming a commercial. He's like, do you guys have permission or a permit? I'm like, yeah, I got a permit. I pulled up an email on my phone from, like, uh, Department of Transportation because I had, a, like, a legitimate permit right. to, to film at the airport. 
but I didn't, there was nothing about gone, a fake gun or anything like that. Right, right. And he's like, I flashed it to him, looks at it for two seconds, like, okay, carry on. Rides his bike away. <laughs> um, that was fun. Wow. Uh, so, okay, so uh, back to Life for Sale. You started shooting Life for Sale. Well, so we were shooting the um, we were shooting the stuff for Hogan's Beach. So we were right. shooting all kinds of commercials for Hogan's Beach and doing all kinds of stuff like that. Um, um, obviously, you know, Ben has the whole like real estate thing going on, and and I thought that was more interesting than the, the than, real estate shit. Okay, than the Hogan's. Yeah, so I started like shooting that kind of stuff. He, I mean, obviously, he's a fucking great bombastic personality. Yeah, he's yeah. a fucking character. He's a great character. Yeah. So. That turned into a whole, that was like a six year thing of yeah. us, of us just trying to get it on TV. Like we were just trying to shoot it, package it and pitch it to TV networks. And I was flying out all, I was going everywhere, New York, California, uh, I don't remember where else we went, uh, Miami pitching this to production houses and to networks. All right. And that was such a long process and such a, and at the end of the day, like no one bought it. It was a letdown. And that was the ultimate catalyst. That was, I had to make a decision. I was like, you know, fuck this. I'm going to start packaging all of this myself. I'm putting it on YouTube. That's when I started, con that's like when I started the concrete YouTube channel. Okay. That's when I started. Oh, I still, I had already started. Yeah, the I, YouTube channel. I had, I had stuff on there, but like commercials and stuff. But like the first time I actually started like act actively posting content for YouTube. You know what I mean? Not just as, a, not just as like a, a portfolio. Right, right, right. And um, that's how Life for Sale got created. And, you know, that wasn't even that successful for a couple of years. It was probably two or three years. No one watched it. I was spending a lot of time on those videos. You know what I mean? And I had already spent five years before that shooting a lot of it. Well, you had, so you have the videos already. Packaged. Yeah, I had all these videos and I had spent hours and days and weeks and months editing and and waiting waiting by the phone for a fucking one of these production companies to call me back emailing them back and forth and it was just you know you're you're ultimately just you're it's, in the hands of these fucking old tv executives uh, and their advertisers and um, all I'm, they care about is advertising yeah. revenue I'm, i mean i'm there right now it's yeah. it's the we're super excited. We're going to we, next week we have a meeting with our team. This is the first on our agenda. Then they talk to them. Then they come back and they have a slight well, have you thought about doing this and hey, we're going to talk to Bob next week and then and then we have another we're very excited about this and we have our meeting uh, in 2 weeks from now. We've talked to Jimmy and we, and it just goes on and after like 6 months you're like <laughs> Yeah, how does anything get made? Circus, dude. Are you it's such a circus. Serious? Yeah. Like, how do you guys do anything? No wonder it it costs so much money. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, so I can imagine actually having a finished product. It must go on forever. Yeah, it's a joke. Like, like just the idea goes on for three, yeah. six months before you. N nobody wants to say no either. It just keeps going. Yeah. It's and just going. Just, they have they these production companies. They have all these concepts. They get people to sign their rights away to shopping agreements. They like yeah, sign yeah. a six month to two year shopping agreement. Right. And they have a shelf that all of these fucking projects sit on. Yeah. Where they have shopping agreements and they go out and they meet with the networks. They pitch twenty five shows to them. No, no, no. Yes, maybe. Yes, maybe. No, 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 no. And they keep going on the list until they until right. they and run out of networks and then. Of maybe someone will change their mind down the road. And then I, the whole process involves editing too. So these networks give them notes. Like, we don't like this. Maybe if you change this, this, and this, yeah. maybe we would like it in six months. So like, 
they'll give me notes on what, okay, this network wants these things changed. This network wants these things changed. That network wants, you know, all this. So I make, I'm making multiple edits for multiple networks. For nothing. For nothing. Right. For hopes and dreams, for hopes of getting a show on TV. And that's, you know, that's what, that's where I lost interest and hope in, in that industry and started just creating content online. What's so funny is that like to get your first show on, well, I guess you're the production company, so it'd be different. But like to get your first show on air, like honestly, you probably make more on concrete on, on all those shows co- put together. You know what I'm saying? And Maybe. run them, you know, probably close or close to it. I mean, it depends on how popular the show is, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you don't get you just don't get a ton of money right away for a first show. Maybe if you've right. done two or three of them, now right. you can start demanding. Right. But once yeah, they start ordering more and more seasons and more right. more and more episodes, then you can start getting more money. And but still, there's so much shit involved. So many paper, so many contracts and agreements, and well, and people having notes. Oh, we don't want to mention this. We don't want to. Say, oh, can right. you redo it so you don't say this? Can this person not be in it in in right. the shot or what? What do you mean that they're in every shot? Like what right. are you talking about? You know, it's, right. it's del- delusional. Right. And shit like di- shit like life or shit, shit like deck hands, all these other documentaries I did and and everything else. I can just do whatever the fuck I want, right? And post it, and and if people like it, they like it. If they don't, yeah. they don't. We had this talk the first time when, when uh um when I did the concrete the first time, where you were saying you were like, look, it's just so much better to just do it yourself. You can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You enjoy it more. You're not working for somebody else. You were like, I mean, we weren't talking about life for sale in general. You were just saying YouTube in general. You were like, it's just better to do it. And, you you like doing YouTube more than anything else because you mm-hmm. can do whatever you wanted, right? Or at least shooting your own stuff. And that's what you. Yeah, the hardest part about it is just is just the discipline and 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 getting to work. You know what I mean? Just doing your work. There's no one telling you what to do. That's the hardest part. Like there's no one saying you got to be here on set at this time or you're fired. Like right. You have to have the discipline to make sure that you're doing X Y Z every week or you're doing this many podcasts a week and you're accountable for it yourself. That's the hardest part about it. Right. What do you do? You do one podcast a week, right? I do two. I do one to two a week, yeah. And then you also have the clips channels, mm-hmm. which you cut them up and put the clips out. Yeah. Yeah, we got got some, a couple people who run that clips channel, and they take, all, they take them and cut them up into smaller pieces, just like everybody else does. Um, so back to, so basically, you did the life for sale. It just didn't. It, after you realize, okay, this is I'm not I'm not putting any more time in. Yeah. this, How long did you continue to run it? We ran it until 2019. We we it became success. I, th- I think it started to like really pop off in 2017. That's when it like first blew up, and then 2019 is when we stopped. When I stopped being involved in it, and and then Ben just kept doing it himself. Yeah. So what what happened with that? Like as much as you can. I mean, I don't know what it, you can just like, it's just like anything, you know, it's, it's, you know, when something becomes successful, everyone thinks that they're responsible for it. And I was honestly, I was, I was kind of tired of doing it and, you know, Ben wanted to do it by himself and I really wasn't interested in it. I wasn't interested in doing it anymore. I wanted to do different things. I want to do the podcast. I wanted to do stuff like deck hands and, um, you wanted just to do that for you to basically yeah, he, well, run he, this. He wanted to do that. Right. right. He wanted somebody who was going to be focused on that, which right. is, which is fine. I would right. probably, honestly, if I was in his shoes, I would have done probably the same thing. I probably would have done exactly what he did. Right. Um, so and yeah, then he, so then he so, started his own so, channel and he went that way. So yeah, we both went our, went our, went our own direction. Okay. I just saw him the other day. Okay. At a funeral for Mike bonus. He's another good friend of, he was a, 
guy who worked for him for a while. I was like a, a financial advisor, a stock market guy, worked on flipping houses for him and managed a lot of his properties. And I became really friend, friendly with him. I talked to him a couple times a month over the past. And, and he died? Six years. He just passed away. Yeah. Why? What happened? I don't know exactly what happened. Something happened where he had to go get rushed to the hospital and some sort of, I think it was kidney failure or liver failure. I'm not sure exactly what happened. I, I didn't talk to. How old was he? He was, I want to say he was in his 60s. I don't know for sure. But we went to his funeral and I saw I saw all of them there and it was yeah, sad. I like, yeah, I don't like hearing that. No, it sucks. Um, so, but uh, yeah, okay. We all have had to. We all lived happily ever after. Yeah. So that that is the like that's a very benign version. <laughs> I guess that's but that's the guess that's what I'm going to get right. Yeah. Okay. yeah, we can't get too far into the weeds. I ultimately I ultimately sold him the show. I sold him the rights to it. I sold him all the episodes. Okay. He published them and and he still put them out. Yeah, he still put, yeah, I think I don't know. Is is he still put them out? I I, I I don't know if he dropped them all at once or if he like if he did a slow drip or whatever, but I'm I think he was slowly putting them back out. I I don't know why I think that maybe somebody said something in the comments. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't watched this. But he does have his own channel, right? Yep. Um Yep. And uh so so at that point you started doing just but you were already doing podcasts with him. Yeah. And then so that basically kind of transitioned into he's gone and you started just doing podcasts with just yeah, I just did podcast regular with, guests. Podcasts with everybody. Actually, right after that was when I did the po first podcast with you that went got like millions of views. Yeah. Yeah. You And because I remember I was, that was, I was, had just gotten out of the halfway house. Yep. You had been answering questions for me. You called me up and you said, listen, man, you got to come do the pod. You said you were going to do the podcast. You got to come do the podcast. You said, I haven't put a podcast out in like a week or so. It's like somebody, had, there was some, for some reason, it had been a period of time. You're like, I need somebody to come. You need to come to, you said, and I was like, oh, Well, I had man. somebody scheduled for that. I think it was a Thursday. I had somebody scheduled and they called and they, they rescheduled last minute. Right. So I was like, fuck, we need to do, a, we need to drop a podcast this week. What are we going to do? So I'm like, I, I got this guy, I've been emailing Matt Cox. Who can I just, bully into this? Let me just this. call Matt Cox, see if he wants to do it. I'm like, hey, can you come do it? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I thought. History. He showed up seven yeah. and the rest is history. And I thought. I I looked. I didn't know anything really about YouTube, so I remember I looked and I, there was like you. I, I saw a couple of videos and like one had like seven thousand views and one had like five. And I was like, oh, nobody even watches this channel. Like nobody even nobody's gonna watch this. I'll go do this. No problem. Nobody's gonna see this thing. Of course, I didn't look very far, or I would have seen you know half a million, eight hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand. I just real quickly was like, oh no, okay. And I didn't understand subscribers. I didn't understand really how YouTube worked exactly. Right. And so, yeah, I showed up and it got like a million views That was crazy as months. fuck, so, wasn't it? Yeah, and I kept texting you. I was like, bro, this thing's got like 100,000 views. It's been like a week. Like, is that good? You're like, bro, it's blowing up. And I was like, what does that mean? I don't understand. <laughs> and you're like, it's, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's. Weren't people like emailing you or like hitting people, you up? Real quick. Well, yeah, within a few weeks. I started getting emails from people like people wanted me to come have lunch. They wanted to, you know, they wanted me to do a speaking engagement. They wanted me to, th these guys flew me out to Puerto Rico. You know, I got flown out to California. I got flown out to, next thing you know, people started contacting me and wanting me to do stuff and, or just meet me. And it was like, and they were paying why? you for this? Yeah. Yeah. I had to get permission from my probation officer to go to Puerto Rico. I started having to get a probation. She's like, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> But this guy's going to pay me $1,800. All of a sudden, I got speaking engagements right. all over the world. Yeah, these guys are going to give me $1,800 to have lunch with them. I'd like to have lunch with them. <laughs> and she was like, I, all right, I guess. Yeah, you can do that. Can you get me a letter? Yeah, I can get you a letter. So, yeah, that worked out pretty good. That worked, that worked out great for me because, I mean, literally, when that happened, 
I was doing paintings for and looking for a job. Like I was looking for a regular job. Like I'm ready to go do something just to try and make ends meet. I was living in someone's spare room, could barely make my bills. I'm ready to go get a job working 40 hours a week. I didn't want to. That's not what I wanted to do, but I was like, yeah, I got to do something. And then things started popping off. And then what, like a couple weeks later, I did another one. That one got like five, 600,000. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, that's right. Then Vlad called me. Then Valuetainment called me. Then next thing you know, other podcasts started saying, hey, we'll fly you out. We'll pay you this much money to come on the show and just do the show. It wasn't much money, but I realized then the exposure is going to turn into something. Selling books, right? Right, and it did. That's the like the ghetto white boy. Like all of that came from from this show, well from from concrete mm-hmm. doing that concrete episode. Crazy how that shit happens, huh? Yeah, that's that's insane. Just on a whim that happened. Yeah. Oh yeah, because listen, right now I'd be I'd be selling used cars or working at FedEx or something like that. Probably. I mean, I'd still be trying to. To, you know, to do the stories, mm-hmm. like I'd still be doing that, but I don't know that they would have gotten any traction at all mm-hmm. from that. That would have been right, like now I don't call anybody. They call me like I'm not out there making phone calls, which is what I had planned to do was start making phone calls and trying to get in contact with this producer or this. But I never had to do any of that just because of the show. So it's it, everything's working out, you know, good. And it's all because of, you know, I hate to say all, but. It is all. Yeah, but you followed up. But I mean, it is. You really made it happen, though. I mean, well, I mean, at least I had the material. At least I had the the stuff. Like you know what I'm saying. So I had some good, pro- right. a good product. You right. Know? But yeah. Right. Blah. But you anyway. had the you had the motivation and the and the discipline and the determination to keep following up on these things, keep doing more podcasts, keep making more stories, keep coming back. You could have just like came on here once and then never came back, but you came back. Yeah, fucking been. ten times and then some. Yeah, that would have <laughs> been stupid. Um. Yeah. But plus, it's good. So, like, we have a good dynamic, and and we're we're good. You know, you're all right, and I'm all right. So, yeah. You know. Um. Anyway, so what? Okay, so now you're you're doing this, but you're still making commercials. They're still mm-hmm. doing commercials. Hey, wait. Can can you show the um the uh the Range Rover one? Mm. Can we show mm-hmm. that one? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see the Range Rover one. Range Rover commercial. I think that was right after Dolphin Tail. I got that commercial. Okay. I like the Range Rover one. I mean, they're all. It's crazy. Pretty. This was uh. So this this actually right here. This was like the pitch commercial to them. They bought it. Then they flew their executives down from New York, from Land Rover USA, to come like do a new version of this to be aired on national TV. So I had like all of a sudden I had these like big wigs from Land Rover USA down here like looking over my shoulder shooting a new version of it, which didn't turn out nearly as good as this one. Okay. Certified pre-owned warranty from Land Rover. Know who your car's been with. 
<laughs> Love nice. that one. Classic. So, all right. So let me think. Let me think about what else. I mean, and you're still you're still doing commercials every now and again. Okay, not maybe. a lot. I'll do a couple. Really? I'll do maybe one or two a year. Well, what are you doing now? Just the con- just concrete just the podcast. I got a couple <laughs> clients I work for. I got a couple clients that uh, of the ad agency that we do like year long stuff. Kind of like you know, I've been working for for a long time. A couple of big companies that I work for. I'm like their ad agency. Oh, okay. <clears throat> concrete is the agency. concrete is the concrete agency, is yeah. actually the agency. Right. Exactly. That's what concrete. This kind of I, moved off of that. We're responsible for like the. I'm responsible for like the creative of a few big brands um, that have been my clients for years. Other than that, like one off commercial jobs, I'll do like maybe one or two a year. Like if they come to you, right? You're not if I like, looking. yeah. If I, if it's worth it, you know what I mean. If I like it, if if they like my, if they like me, and if I like them, and you know it's worth my time, then I'll do it. But most of my time is just spent doing this. All right. So. Trying to think other other things that people might be interested in. So you're married. I'm married. How, when did you meet your wife? I met my wife like 12 years ago. How old are you? I'm 34. Old. You don't look 34. I'm an old fuck, Matt Cox. You don't look 34. You look late 20s. Thank at you. Best. Um, so uh, met the wife. You have a baby boy. Met her at a bar. Met her at a bar. Nice. Met her at a bar. Strip club? Uh, no, no, not a strip club. Just a. Uh, That's where most romances just, start for me. Yeah, unfortunately, no. Unfortunately, I didn't meet her at a strip club. Um, I just met her at a beach bar. And uh, twelve. Years she went ago. home with me that night. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she doesn't watch this. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, and then we stayed together for on and off a little bit for. 10 years. We finally got married a couple years ago. And you have a son? Yep. Two-year-old. And, uh, okay. All right. All right. I didn't, I, did, I didn't mention my parents were divorced when I was really young. No. Yeah, my parents got divorced when I was like three or four. So I had uh, my mom my dad um, were, they had my dad's really good friend, my mom and dad like were couple friends with another couple and they would race sailboats together. Like they would go to all these regattas around Florida and they would race Hobie cats. And, um, my dad ended up leaving my mom. They got divorced and my dad got with his really good friend's wife. Wow. Yeah. And that was when, uh, that's rough. That was when I was like four. So I was like, from then on, I was bouncing back and forth between those two lives. And they still stay, he still stayed in, in Clearwater? Yeah, they, yeah, they all live here still. What does your dad do? My dad, uh, was a, worked at the post office his entire life. He was in the Air Force when he was young, and then he went to the post office, like, in his late 20s, I think early 30s, maybe. And then, uh, he worked at the post office for over 30 years, retired from the post office. And your mom's a professor? My mom, yeah, she teaches fine art. Oh, okay. She's been, yeah, ever since I was little, she's, she was fucking, she had, like, a studio at USF Tampa, and she was always painting and shit and i remember running around the studio and um i mean that's where that's the that's where matt that's cox where was I went. yeah i was a little kid when you were scamming people i was a little kid running around in the studio when my mom painted canvases we're not that we're honestly, really not that far honestly, we were we were, we were right in there in college when you were there you were probably running around one of the studios when i was in class you probably See, were. I, i'm in 95 so in 19 in 90 <clears throat> so i was born in 87 so i would that would have been that would have been right around the time 87 yeah, that was right around time between I was like between six years old, between like time I was five years old to like eight years old. 
Yeah, I went to, so I, I went there for two years because I got an AA from Hillsborough Community College, transferred to USF, went two years at USF, graduated in 1995. So I would have been, been right there. We, we were. We may have, I may have been like, hey, get, get out of here, kid. And then. Probably. You were probably at the same studio my mom was painting at. 30 years later. 20 years later. Our whatever. worlds finally collided. How crazy is that, Matt Cox? Very possible. You got to go out. You got to ask your mom. Who would have guessed? You have to ask your mom. What, what years was I running around? Yeah, I'll have to ask her. I used to wear a Rush Limbaugh for president shirt. Really? When I would go to class. Oh, they like they hated me. They hate because <laughs> you know, like a lot of the professors there, they just you know they're super liberal and they just couldn't stand me, you know, because of the shirt. Really? Yeah. Were you political? No, I I really wasn't. And to be honest, you know, I I did listen to Rush Limbaugh, but I don't have like you get some guys with politics. They have such firm you know um, opinions and they, yeah. they're unyielding. And I'm <laughs> like, eh. This is kind of how I feel, and you it's feel goofy. different. That's eh, fine. It's not a big deal, you know. So I'm not. I don't have like. I mean, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not ready to get into an argument or fight about it or anything. And right. it's like it's like you feel that way. I feel that w- this way, and you know that's what's great about this country. We can both feel that way and move on. Yeah. We'll see how it, how how it comes out in the wash. So, yeah. but boy, let me tell you, they 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 weren't having it there. Really, a lot of dirty looks, a lot that's of funny. comments, a lot of. Listen, like ninety percent of the women that were there in fine arts were like all le- all lesbians. Really, like they hated my guts. I was working out all the time, so I mean, I it's horrible, bro. So I was driving a BMW. Too much masculinity. Yeah, at, at five, all packed into a little tiny package. All packed into a nice five foot six package. Yeah, and I was giving them all the ammunition, clean cut, working out. Did you drive a Corvette? I drove a BMW, oh, a brand new perfect. white BMW that was always very clean. My girlfriend was gorgeous, worked at a strip, well, she was a stripper. Oh, hell yeah. Was, these chicks hated my guts. I was everything they hated my about My mom was probably one of those, one of those chicks. Probably was. My mom's super, super hardcore lefty. Oh, wow. Okay. Left wing, yeah. you know, what, what, I mean, well, you know, it, you take a, a humanity or art, art, um, art history, you yeah. know, multiple art histories, there's <clears> graphic design, there's painting, there's, so I'm sure I was in one of, prob- I may have been in one of her classes. Probably were. So you got to ask her. I will. Yeah. The short, the short guy with the, uh, the time BMW period. who wore the Rush Limbaugh <laughs> shirt. Find out the time period and what she what she uh, taught, and I'll tell you. Yeah, I definitely probably. Well, no, she was in school then. She wasn't teaching then. Oh, I thought she was teaching. No, 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 not then. She was uh, back then. Oh, she would have yeah. been. She would have been in school because she got her master's degree. Okay, she probably has been my age. She's probably a little older than me. She's, right? I think she's. Uh, I think she was born in fifty seven or fifty eight. Okay, so she's she's like 12, 11, 12 years older than me. Okay, all right, all right. Um, well, what else are we doing? I don't know. You tell me. This is your podcast. I have no idea. I mean, I don't know. This is this is all the. Hey, what's the time? Three seventeen. Three seventeen. What, what did we say? Three seventeen. When did we start? We started like an hour ago. It's almost an hour ago. Almost an hour ago. Not even an hour ago. Oh, we ripped through this thing. Yeah. Are we done? I mean, I don't know. Is there anything else? I mean, I was you know the, the Ben stuff would have been nice, but that's you know we're we're we talked about Ben, didn't we? We yeah, talked about it for a while. Just, yeah, we're at a standstill though with the. With the uh, the breakup, but it just didn't work out. Yeah, it just yeah. didn't work out. We yeah. agreed to go different ways, and everything everything came out in the wash. Everything, um, everyone was happy at the end of the day. It's all that matters. Okay, and we're still we're still friends. Well, that's what's important. That is what's important. Um, I don't know if that's it. it <clears throat> nothing else. No other stories. No other. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You you're super the podcaster. Just, I, I don't know. I didn't live your life. I don't know. No no other. Um, uh, Upsetting the client um, uh, commercials? No, we left a lot of commercials on that we didn't see. Yeah, let's look at another commercial. 
you could pin the tail on the donkey and find something good, Austin. One of those tabs. What is that? That's another one we do with Jimmy Hart. That's when we uh, Afro Jack was performing at Hogan's Beach, and uh, I came up. Me and uh, Luke, who I worked with for a long time, he's a creative director, my creative director that worked for me, and we worked on a lot of great projects together. Oh, you never saw the Host of Mania commercial either. Um, this was a concept we came up with to promote an Afrojack. This played on TV all around South Florida for like a month. Press play. So Jimmy pretty, Hart wearing he'll pasties. Much, he'll pretty much do anything. Yeah, he'll do it, whatever we ask him to do. Tidy whities and pasties bouncing on a bed twirling glow sticks. Nobody understands this stuff. These, these, a lot of these ideas, it's nobody. It's just more of like, it's just what insane. the fuck? Well, you know, it, it, at the very least, people are gonna watch it. Yeah, they're gonna watch. They're it. waiting for something. There's more questions than answers, and some of the best work I've done. This is a good one. This is a, uh, this was I think this was like a Super Bowl party at Hogan's Beach, where we turned Jimmy Hart into the Brady Bunch. Nice. I used to watch the Brady Bunch. Is it still there? No, it's not there. They sold. They sold. Uh, they sold the hotel to a big one of those big BlackRock type companies. Yeah, one of those big investment companies. They sold the hotel and they they ended up rebranding it. They didn't want. They weren't interested in keeping it Hogan's Beach. He just licensed the name Hogan for oh, that okay. restaurant to make, to call it Hogan's Beach. Right. So essentially, he was just paying him a license fee. <clears throat> so. All right, so this was a, a a New Year's Eve commercial we did. This is another one. Like, this is one of the great things. This is one of, like, the greatest things ever that, like, you, you, it's rare you find somebody like Ben who will just let you do whatever the fuck you want right, with a commercial. Right, just give me something. Like, I, I want to do this. It'll be great. And, like, in the, he would let us do whatever the fuck we wanted. And we had Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Hart. Like, those were our paintbrushes, and we could make whatever the fuck we wanted. And this was our idea for uh, their New Year's Eve party. We stole Apex went Apex Twin song. Yeah, I've seen this one. <laughs> I love that he'll do anything. Yeah, literally anything. We rented. We had to rent this super high speed camera that shot like thousands of frames per second to make it super slow mo. Good times. Good times. Um, 
play uh, Hostomania. This is a good story. So Hostomania was, um, the way this came about was crazy. This is a good story right here. So um, we had been doing all this work with, with Hulk, right? So we were like, at one point, we were like his only production company that he would work with. Because, you know, people like Hulk, they always have all these companies and brands were coming at him to get him to try to pay him to promote their company or their product or whatever it is. So like attach his name to it to help right. promote it and sell it. Um, he came to us one day and he was like, yo, he was like, yo, D. That's what he called me, D. Yo, D. Um, I got these guys, got this hosting company. It's going to be the next best thing. We're going to be billionaires. I'm like, sick. He's like, it's, we're going, we're going after GoDaddy and that stinking host gator. Um, and you know, you know what a hosting company is, right? Like I know what a hosting where, company. You know, it's, where, host, it's where you buy your website. Yeah. I've never heard of host gator though. Host gators. It used, I don't know if it's still there or it's still a thing, but it used to be one of the competitors for, um, GoDaddy. One of the competitors for GoDaddy. Yeah. Okay. So he's like, um, so it's like, yeah, so this is like a startup and they want to name it Hostomania. They want me to be the mascot for it. So we need a commercial to break out and go viral to launch this thing. So me and Luke, we sat on this idea for like two weeks, just like, you Mulling know, it over. when you're trying to come up with something like out of thin air like this, it's just like, there's a lot of sitting around drinking coffee, smoking cigars, going to the gym, hanging out, doing nothing, watching shows. It's yeah. like, and then eventually something will pop into your head. No, I had a guy tell me one time it's, 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 it's extremely difficult to look at a blank piece of paper and come up with a concept. It's yeah. easy once the concept's made to t to pick it apart or, mm -hmm. or alter it or change it or tweak it. Like that's easy, but coming up with something from absolutely nothing, that's the part that I, I was writing something the other day and I, I swear I was sitting there for like 30, 45 minutes just going, staring at the paper, thinking about different things in my head. Like, what if I said it this way? What if I say it this way? What if I said, no, if I, no, you know what? I could start it this way. I, for like 20 minutes. And my girlfriend looked at me and she goes, what are you doing? I said, oh, this is 95% of writing for me. Nothing. Just staring at the blank page, waiting for something to happen. So I can imagine the same thing. It's the same concept. Yeah. I was like, you don't have, you're like, I have to say this. How do I say it? Right. It's kind of like it's kind of like writing too, because you gotta have a you gotta you gotta do a lot of writing to come up with stuff like this too. Like you just like every day, like you wake up and you just start putting your pen on the paper and just writing about the first thing that comes to your head. Right. And then eventually, I'm sure you're you've done this a lot, but it, eventually it just it starts turning into something and starts to form a sculpture. Right. Yeah. Like it, like. Yeah, and you tweak it. There's and you no, tweak no, it. You go back, yeah. edit it. Right. It's never the first. It's never the first draft. But it's so unproductive. This is like like the point. It's this, which is like. You have that pull of like you're trying to get something done, but at the same time, the only way to do it is to be unproductive. Yeah, you have to do things that aren't productive to sort of like bring on this muse. You know yeah. what I mean? Like pull from that muse and pull some sort of an idea out of nothing. Yeah, I, and this is what you came up with. So we were doing this forever, hosting. and um, and Luke, this was Luke. This is Luke's idea. Okay. Um, he comes into the the office one morning. He's like, I got it, and he goes. Hulk Hogan on a wrecking ball because this was a week after Miley Cyrus came out with that wrecking ball music video. Have you ever seen Miley Cyrus? Uh -huh. I came in like a wrecking ball. Shit, this crazy fucking music video came out with super vile. It's all anyone was talking about. Every single talk show was imitating it. She was on every single talk show on, on late night TV. It was like the number one thing everyone was talking about. He's like, we'll just put Hulk Hogan on a fucking wrecking ball, butt naked. Or no, he didn't say that. He just said, we'll put Hulk Hogan on a wrecking ball. I'm like, that's fucking genius. 
That's right. great. It was fucking, it was amazing. We loved it. So we I called Hulk. I'm like, we got it. Come into the office. We're going to pitch it to you. So Hulk came in and these guys who started this Hostomania company came in and uh, we're like, we want to put you on a wrecking ball like Miley Cyrus. He's like, I fucking love it, brother. <laughs> There's only one thing that could make it better. If I'm in my birthday suit. <laughs> so the rest is history. You can right. watch it. All right. Let's see. We put Hulk Hogan on a wrecking ball. And this is supposed to be Jean-Claude Van Damme because GoDaddy had a commercial campaign with Jean-Claude Van Damme. So he's supposed to represent represent GoDaddy. Anyways, that got picked up by TMZ the day we dropped it. It was on every major news site, news fucking website. It went super viral. Nice. It got like millions of views on TMZ. And uh, that was fun. That was really fun. That was a nightmare to produce it, though. It was like to shoot it, it was a nightmare. So stressful. We had to get a boom truck to like, we had to put this boom truck in this, uh, in this sound studio. And we had this like big psych screen behind it, and it took fucking like twelve hours to shoot that. Super stressful. Whenever you have a lot of pressure, it's a lot harder to make something good. Yeah, it's way easier when no one gives a shit. Yeah, yeah. Just writing for fun is way more, way better than someone telling. Do you, you write for write. fun? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Like every day? No, not every day. I, 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 I mean, you know, because I still, I just have a bunch of stories right now that I. I wrote when I was in prison and a couple that I've written since. And the other day I actually wrote, um, so I don't want to say who it's for, but I basically had a pitch where I'm working with a production company to pitch a series, right, based on me telling a bunch of, of stories, stories that I've already written. Well, one of the things they did was they came back and they said, they said, um, hey, we need two of these stories need to be from women, mm. like where the, the main character or the main whatever the subject is a woman. And I was like, well, you know, a drug story from a woman. And I and they were like, do you have any like that? I said, I mean, how hard is it? I was like, Jessica, I just interviewed Jessica Kent. She's got a drug story. Mm -hmm. I said, so I could write a synopsis on her story. And I went and the chick I'm dating, you know, Jess, uh, you know, Jess Bell. And I said, I go, she's she was part of the largest, she was the largest meth conspiracy or distribution case in um, in Okeechobee. And I said there was like sixty people arrested on that. There was, you know, a ton of money. It was several millions of dollars were seized, uh, pounds of cocaine. And I said this was a bunch of girls. Half the women, half the half the people distributing the meth mm -hmm. were women. I was like, she's got an amazing story. Like every time she, I talk to her about her case, it's it's super interesting. So I said I could, I'm sure I could do something on that. So I wrote up a synopsis on that, and we pitched it. And they're super interested in like there may end up there may on a whim. I wrote 
a synopsis. Oh, I, I wrote a summary of her story on a whim and threw it into the deck, and it may end up being a part of this whole series, and they may end up doing a one-hour special. And she's got an amazing story. I've just never written it before. Like, I've never written the whole summary, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the whole a synopsis on it. Like, I've not, you know, usually I write between nine and 12,000 words for a synopsis, and... I knew the bulk of the story, so I just wrote a, a small summary, a one-page summary of her story, and we threw it in the deck because they said they wanted a woman. You know, It was not that hard. Like I know enough people that have good um, drug stories. There was only one that they didn't like, and it was, uh, it was one story they didn't like that they basically threw out. They said, yeah, we've heard this kind of story before. So it's, hmm. it's, it's very common, you know, someone – Guys were born in the projects. They're you know everybody's poor, and they turned to doing drugs, a drug story because of this and this and that. And they were like, yeah, that's not unique enough. But Jess's story is super unique. Uh, Jessica <clears throat> Kin's story is pretty unique. You know, so those may end up being a part of this whole series. So we'll see. But yeah, so that was the last time I wrote. That was actually only probably four or five days ago when I wrote that. Really? Prior to that, I hadn't written anything in months. But what is months. your pro? Like when you're when you're sitting down to write this up is there like a process to do you do it like essay format or do you just like start writing and then go back and edit it um i honestly try and write it like a a, like like scenes you know what i'm saying like like if you're telling me something that i think oh that would make a like i can see it like that would make a great scene like that would make a great i can see that and then i write that scene and then to me the other stuff that isn't a scene that it's necessary is basically like the stuff was coming in here, and we did this, and it was real more benign. Mm. That ends up just becoming kind of narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, I write like a paragraph or two about that, and then the next thing is a scene, and then paragraphs, and then a scene. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just kind of like the the glue. Like if there's nothing interesting, yeah. You know, if there's something like suddenly guys are kicking in doors and they got guns and stuff, well, that's got to be a scene. So I write that whole scene out. Okay, Sorry. and then you put it, you just put them together. Right, but that's if I write a whole story. If it's just like a synopsis or a summary, then it's maybe four or five paragraphs, mm-hmm. you know, and that's it. And you just try and hit the highlights. You know, you try and, you know, amp it up and make it just hit the real general highlights. Mm. And that's it. Whatever um, happened with Boziak's thing? Boziak's doing great. Like, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, they're, they're going to, I can't say who, but, you know, there's going to be a, probably a two hour uh, documentary on him. That's sick. So, you know, we'll see. The problem is, like you said, it's, Next week, Tuesday, yeah. on Friday. Oh, it got pushed back. So yeah. and so, so and so's mother passed away. Uh-huh. It's gonna we have to put it back, put it a few weeks back, and it's like just constantly. I mean, if you have forty people involved, somebody's always going through a crisis. So something's always being pushed back, and so what you would knock out in a month takes them right. a year. Right. If everything, if all the planets align. Right. I mean, it's 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 insane. At the same time, they're only watching podcasts like this to try to scour for content, try to find good ideas to pitch. Right, that's exactly what's happened. Most most people get to me through seeing me on this podcast or another podcast, and they come to me, mm. and then they go to my website, and they find a story, and then they contact me, and then they say, "Can you get me in touch with this guy?" Because if they didn't need to get to me to contact the guy, sometimes they'll just go straight to the guy and try and cut me out altogether. So they want to use my story. And not even talk to me. Like your, like your story from Vice. I don't know what you're talking about. I, wait. What do you mean? We just hold, we just did a whole episode just, on this, I Matt. Don't, then you'd have to watch the episode because that 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 got. I had to sign some stuff. Yeah. Oh, so you been so something happened between something now happened. and between then and it now. It worked out. It worked out. It worked I'm out. Happy. Well, let me put. They're unhappy. I'm unhappy. Matt got it paid out, by so. the corporate media. I don't know what's going by on. by the fake news. Corporate media. 
So we'll see. Worked out. I'm glad um, it worked out. Yeah, yeah. So, but you know what? You know, it's it's everything takes forever. It just does. It takes forever. Like this is so much more fun. Yeah. So much more fun. You call. You know, I just have to call somebody and say, I just, I really just have to get like two people at the, at my house at the same time. That's it. Oh, you're you're filming it in your house. Yeah. Oh, it's great. I've got this a setup. Very, not. I mean, you got the big time. You know, yours is all big time. You know, I've got the the budget version of this, mm-hmm. but I have the same thing. I have a whole a setup. I yeah. have a, the whole thing. Yeah, it looks you know, great. I don't have the sure mics. You know, I got like the slightly. Yeah, down they're all the same though. I, that's right. They I, all know, sound the same. Yeah, Colby was like, "Oh, we got to get the sure mics." I'm like, "Why?" He's like, "I'm like, how much are those?" He's like, "Oh, they're like three hundred and fifty or four hundred dollars." I'm like, "Are you out of your mind?" Yeah, I'm supposed to buy four of those. He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, no, "Man, you better find something else." He's like, "Okay, well, what about these? Are good?" I'm like, "Okay." Let's I've even replaced it. a few of these too. They're f- fucking yeah, they're not cheap. Yes, yeah, ridiculous. I did get these. These are great. Yeah, the frames. I yeah. got four of those. Although I was thinking about getting actually getting actually some arms, you know what I mean, that come out and articulate. Yeah, I don't like those because the they go up and then. Yeah, but there's ones that's like low profile ones that go. Oh low. yeah, yeah, they're just a bar that slides. Yep, it slides around like that, and then yeah. it just comes up. That, that way, you don't have to worry about these fucking things all around yeah. the table. They're pretty cool. Get I like these. Face. Yeah, they're okay. I very much try to rip off as much of your of what I liked about the po- your podcast as possible. So I, mm. I feel like I got I ripped off a lot of it. Yeah, we're revamping it this weekend. Yeah, doing some revamping, some upgrading. Are you so you're redoing the wall? Are you getting rid of this at all? Uh, yeah, a lot of it's changing. I'm getting I'm getting rid of the lamps. Um, you're still gonna do the couch? You can't even see the couch. I'm leaving the couch for now. I'm getting rid of the lamps, and then I'm redoing this back wall, getting rid of the curtains. I'm getting a new light up here. And this is supposed to be just uh small upgrades, you know, small upgrades. This is a simulation of what? What? Why? I mean, why this? Because it looks like a '70s porn set. I don't know. Understand how that I like the way 70s porn sets look. Okay. Or right. or the or the uh Tony Soprano's psychiatrist. Psychiatrist office. office. That's what yeah. you had told me one time. Both of those are kind of a similar vibe, you know? I'm not looking for like a futuristic metaverse type thing. Yeah. All right. I like don't know what to are. say. I, I I'm not I'm not though. Mine's not meta. Mine's just very much like you're sitting at the kitchen table talking. Yeah. That's what that's I good. that's why the way I think of it. Yeah. You're so. like a you're like an older version of Graham Stefan. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. The best version of Graham Stephan. The like best the, version. The new stuff. It's, it's no good. Of his stuff? No, I'm just joking. I haven't I, watched I it. I don't know. I don't watch Graham Stephan. Matt, yes. I wanted to present to you before we wrapped up this podcast this what? beautiful NFT that what? we well, created. Well, this is a whole new podcast. This is the same podcast. It is? Yeah, this is the same podcast. Well, nobody we, watches we, the end. I got like 30%. These guys We stopped like rolling, but we started rolling again. So, so they're just going to butt it together at the end. This okay. Will, this will be like the, the back end of it. All right. So we, we created this beautiful, you can full screen this, Austin. Brandon J. Green. Yeah, what's with the thing all the way around it? Why, why doesn't it fill up the, like, why'd you do it like oh, that? Oh, because what? this is just like a preview of it. It's oh, a, okay. It's the NFT. It's Brandon an NFT. Green. It's a Brandon Green NFT driver's license. It's the actual <laughs> fake driver's license that Matt Cox used to commit. This is. This is not an outrageous amount thing. of mortgage fraud in Pinell in Hillsborough County. That, oh, that 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 Brandon Green is Hillsborough County. I think yeah. that's over a million dollars. I know uh, in mortgages. And this, uh, once you purchase this NFT, it will be listed for. Uh, I think we're going to start out at five ether. Uh, once you purchase this, uh, the smart contract enables you to receive a 
five-minute FaceTime call with Matt Cox. What, what, are you, what are you doing? How am I a part of this? Because there's, this a, there's a smart contract. This what? is this is an this NFT. Is... NFTs, you, you understand what NFTs you could get this. You get the smart contract that enables you to get... Am suffer. I getting part? Am I getting some something for doing? Yeah, this? we'll throw you a bone. Oh my God, are you and, serious? Uh, so throw you a bone, and you, you also get a physical represent a uh, physical representation of this driver's license that you can keep in your wallet, an actual Brandon J. Green driver's license. Are you serious? When you purchase the NFT? Oh really? Yep. That's actually not bad. And so I, by the way, I I didn't know any of this, Austin. You know that, right? So I haven't heard any. And of Matt Cott will get you'll get a royalty off of every time this NFT is bought or sold on the marketplace. I I like that. I like that. So I saw this. Was it yesterday you sent this to me? We're gonna be listing this for sale sometime in the next two weeks. Can I answer that? Sorry, say that again. Yesterday was it yesterday you sent me the? This? Yeah, yeah, I sent this to you yesterday because you designed it. You guys uh, designed it a long time ago. Long and then, time ago. Then you didn't know what. Then we just you never did anything it. with. Yeah, it, we, right? just, we never released it. Okay, and then yesterday, uh, yesterday you sent it to yep. me, and I saw it. And right. this could be one one of a series. Uh, oh, and I told we're you about the, guy, the Gary Sullivan. I told yeah. you about the guy with the Gary because that's what everybody. Does. Nobody says Brandon Green when they make comments in the comment section. They're always like, they always call me Gary Sullivan. Right. Sorry. So. This is going to be part of a collection of NFTs. There's going to be one of one of each one. There's going to be five <laughs> NFTs, I think, total. How many How many fake identities did you have? I mean, the government said over, over fi- I think it was 50. So, 50. so we're going to, we already have five I, of I, them created. I don't think I did. Fi- I think I've had, I've had like 20, 26 or 27 different IDs okay. in different states. Like, so it's, it's really, as far as IDs, it's only about 26 or 27. So we already have 20, we already have five created. This is one of them. I this is a so so Where Brandon Green is one of one. We have a Gary Sullivan that's one of one, and we're gonna auction them all off on one of those NFT marketplaces like OpenSea.io or uh, Nifty Gateway. And uh, the smart contract gets you a five minute FaceTime with Matt Cox, a a physical <laughs> version of the driver's license, and it might even come with a painting. We haven't decided that. Yet. I feel like this is. Pretty. Are, are, this, is, this is a pump and dump. We're pumping it up right now. This looks pretty l- like legit. I don't. Oh, it's know. fully legit, bro. Yeah, but I mean, like, like, like getting a charge legit. I mean, that doesn't. That seems. Oh yeah, you even got the date of birth. I used to always use that seven seven nineteen seventy because it was easy to remember. We got the details, Matt Cox. Nice. Do we have the height right? Of course, five. What do you got? Five six. Oh, five yep. six. Perfect. You seven seven put, seventy. You said you were going to put in parentheses five seven with a good pair of shoes. Yeah, we want it to look legit though. We oh. don't want to. We don't want to try don't, to be. I'm funny. not sure you want to make it look legit. That may end up being a charge. I don't want to get charged it's an again. NFT. Yeah, but you said there's a physical a, a physical. What was the lady's card. name at the Secret Service? At the Secret Service was um, Andrea Peacock. At Andrea the FBI Peacock. was um, uh, the one. The one that hated me. Yeah, at the, the FBI. Yeah, the FBI. Cal- uh, Calderon, um, Candace Calderon. Candace Calderon hates my gut. If you would have just told her you were, this was an NFT, you probably wouldn't have gotten in so much trouble. I don't think so. I don't think so. It's just an NFT, Matt. You could probably you could probably make just as much money selling these NFTs as you made in your whole entire career I robbing feel like banks. I'm gonna get this is gonna be a charge or something. No, it's it's fine. It's just an NFT, not a real driver's license. It will be part of the smart contract. Smart contract. All right, with Ethereum. You buy them with Ethereum. I think. I think Ethereum's price right now. Do you know anything about NFTs? Have you ever done an NFT before? I mean, I'm doing one right now. I I designed one. Actually, it was a painting. I did a painting for 
and they turned they digitized it and turned it into an NFT for um, investment joy, oh, okay. which is like another YouTube channel. Oh, okay. So when they buy that, that NFT, they get the physical painting and the digital painting. Um, I think they get a print or something, and they get uh, they get the NFT and the print, and I don't know something else. I don't know. And then you get, you get a royalty for every time that NFT sells. Yes. Well, what does this sell for? This sells for uh. Well, we got to figure out a price. We're gonna start it at. We got to mint it first. We got to mint it on the blockchain. Sounds complicated. We can start it at whatever. We can start it at whatever price we want. We can start it at fucking $1. People are going to buy it and then people are going to sell it. You know what I mean? Like every time somebody buys it and sells it, I think the way it works is we get a royalty from that. So, uh, what do they charge for the, we're um, going to get rich. This is how we're going to retire. Okay. I'm, I'm all about that. Then we're going to go to, uh, we're going to go to Miami. We're going to go live in Miami in a penthouse and go to Art Basel. So I have a, um, somebody was telling me like when you buy one of these, they charge you like the platform itself charges you. Yeah. The plat, I think there's, that's how they make money is they have to charge some sort of a transaction, a small transaction fee right. for everyone, but it's so, very small. Right. But so even if you give it away for free, you're still paying something. So the way it works is like, so we'll create the, we'll create the, uh, the inside the Matt Cox collection, NFT collection, right? So we'll have, say we have 27 seven different NFTs of Matt Cox's driver's license, various identities of Matt Cox, right? All right. We mint all these, all of these driver's licenses on the blockchain. How many are you selling per, per, like, are you, do you have a limited amount that you're selling? We can, we can make however many we want. We could, we could do fucking a hundred of each one. Yeah. I mean, you guys, that's what you got to do. You got to do a yeah. limited amount because right. that's what makes it exactly. valuable. Exactly. Only so we mint them, we give them away for a dollar each. Somebody, we transfer them to somebody for a dollar. They list them for sale. Then they sell them and we get, uh, we get 10% of every transaction. I don't know. I feel, I feel like that's wrong, but. But what is it, right now? I don't know. I thought, I thought you said, okay, you would say. Like, you feel like something's wrong? Well, I feel like, like you would say there's like, you charge like 50 bucks and you get a portion of the $50. You're saying it's could be like nothing like or a dollar. Like that, I'm not sure. You how. give them away for a dollar, but then people keep selling them. People keep buying them and selling Every time them they, and so, trading them. So forever. you bought it for a dollar. He bought it for twenty dollars from you. Yeah, we bought it from forty from him. So right. then everybody keeps going up in value. Exactly. And every single transaction, you get a percentage of that transaction from I mean, now through through infinity. All right. All right. Or what? What's the way they use it? What's the way they they uh in per perpetuity and per perpetuity? Yeah. Yeah. The way they uh you know the way they wear all those legal contracts in Hollywood. I would still set a minimum. Was it a dollar? You mean an, uh, initial sale? Yeah, like initial, like initially, like yeah, make it a dollar for a dollar. Yeah, why not? <sighs> All right, I guess I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I'm gonna start doing them though on my paintings. I'm waiting for the one to sell for investment joy, mm -hmm. and then when that one sells, I'm gonna start doing that one. It. Still hasn't sold. He hasn't. He hasn't put it up. Oh my god, he hasn't put it up. So once he does and it's up there and it's it's selling. Then I'll be able to say, hey, I can point to something. But now I'll point to this. Yeah, as soon as we have this thing up, you'll come back in here. We'll do a podcast on concrete. And, all right. And we'll, uh, we'll pump them up. All right. Let's do it. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all about it. I'm excited. Ready? Do you have the physical card? I no, see. we got to get that made. We got to figure out how to make that. You don't even know how to make it. Did you really? You're Maybe really, we could do you this. You sounded very confident. We could make a video talk. of you making it. Because you're, no, you're going to make, make it. What are you going to do? I can't be counterfeiting driver's license it's not a real driver's license we'll put up we're, we're gonna put on there on the back of it like not a real driver's license this is an nft okay i mean it's, listen. it's a piece of art 
I feel very apprehensive about this entire. We'll we'll get uh, your Pete probation officer to sign off on it for you. Just say, hey, it's an NFT. Okay, we're making money here. Austin, how do you feel about that? Yeah, Austin, I can see Austin smiling. Be like, just tell her Gary V told us I to do I feel like this. that's a charge. I feel like I'm going to no, end up. No, Gary V does it. We can do it. You like Gary V, right? I, yeah, I love Gary V. You listen v. to him a lot? I'm Not anymore because it's, you know, it's, a lot of his stuff's repetitive. But, yeah. So I, I've got it down. Yeah. Well, he taught me all about NFTs. Did he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so are we wrapping this up? If you want to, yeah, sure. I mean, my back hurts. I'm hunching. I got to drive. I have stuff to do. People are texting me. Okay, let's wrap it up. Hey, if you like the video, do me a favor and hit the like button. Uh, go ahead and hit the bell so that you get notified. Leave a comment in the uh, comment section and share the video with all your friends and family. And uh, I appreciate you watching and see ya. See ya. That's it.